if you have your Bible, I hope you do, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, a couple of verses in the Word of God this morning. And as you're turning, I want to ask you to do something. If you're a note taker, I want you to take your pen, pencil, and I want you to write down the name Debbie Ogden. I want you to write down this name. This is a, a lifelong friend of one of our dear ladies, and uh, uh, she's dealing with some serious health issues. She's in the end stages of dealing with kidney disease. She now finds herself battling uh, COVID as well. And so if you would pray for Debbie uh, Ogden, her husband's name is Wayne. And uh, certainly we want to pray for her and so many of our church family members recovering from surgeries and, and whatnot. And then I'd ask you to also continue to remember the Gibson family in prayer. Uh, we were blessed to be able and honored really to serve the family over the past couple of days with the uh, celebration of life services for Jeremy's dad uh, and uh, Carolyn's husband, <laughs> Carolyn's over here, and, uh, and Chris uh, and the rest of the family, Tom, his service yesterday. And so uh, praise the Lord that we have a God who saves, amen? And so look with me in Luke chapter 2 this morning. I want to talk to you about great joy, and uh, we're going to dig right in. I want you to drop down and look with me in verse number 10 and 11, just a couple of verses of Scripture this morning. But I want you to notice, the Bible says here in verse number 10, And the angel said unto them, he's speaking to the shepherds who, as we know, they were out watching over their flocks by night. And here's the angel of the Lord. And it said unto them, notice verse 10, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Amen? Everywhere we go, it seems that the decorations are up, Christmas music is playing, and, and for the most part, I'll be honest with you, for the most part, people seem to be on their best behavior. Isn't it crazy how uh, the same attendant at the same restaurant or the same store now actually pretends or acts as if they're friendly? It's amazing. Wait till January the 1st. All bets are off, right? But it's just amazing to see these things. But is that really what Christmas is all about? No, it really isn't. And there's nothing wrong. I'll be honest, there's nothing wrong with getting a little excited or even nostalgic uh, at times when we come to this thing of Christmas celebrations. But folks, if, if we're constantly consumed by the trappings of this world's idea of what Christmas should be all about... I can tell you sooner rather than later, you will find yourselves along with me singing the Christmas blues. Because that's not what Christmas is all about. In fact, it's been said, Amazon may deliver what you want, but only Christmas delivers what you need. You see, you might order a gift, you might get something from a store or something online, and it may arrive. I said may. I didn't guarantee arrival overnight. I didn't guarantee arrival by Christmas Eve. You may receive what you have ordered, but only Christmas really brings about and delivers what you need. And so, you know, when we get more excited about the material things that we give and receive than we do about the greatest gift of all, I can tell you, you're never going to experience true or great joy. You'll never be experiencing this type of joy. You'll always be left wanting. Because looking for joy in family, hello, you ever tried to look for joy in your family? I'll be honest with you. I've tried to look for joy in so many different places. It's like that old 70s song, looking for love in all the wrong places. I've tried to look for joy here, there, and yonder, and only to come up wanting time and time again. So you might look for joy as your family gathers, and, and some of you might think, man, no, when my family gathers together, there's nothing but headaches. Right, But you might still look for joy in your family and you might look for joy even in religious traditions. Opening up wrapped gifts, maybe under the tree. But I can tell you, even if you had a box, and as these boxes are representing gifts over here, even if you had a box or a gift that said joy inside, I guarantee you when you open up that type of box, you're going to open it up and find out that there's no joy in that box. But joy has eluded you once again. Two weeks ago, we talked about the greatest love of all by considering what Jesus said 
uh, while he was talking with a lawyer by the name of Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and verse 16, kind of an iconic verse of Scripture uh, where he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But the key was, remember, we went on and the key was found in verse number 17 where Jesus said, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Oh, we talked about the greatest love story of all. And as we looked at just those two verses of Scripture a couple of weeks ago, we saw that the facts, the evidence, the purpose, the proof, and really the means by which we receive this greatest love story was all found, all found in that greatest gift of all, the Christ child born on that very first Christmas night. Last week, the choir, their special and the message that I used to follow up. We were pinpointing the living hope that Jesus brought down to humankind oh so long ago. But today, this morning, we look, look at verse number 10, the angel's message to these lowly shepherds who were abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. It reveals one of the most amazing facts about Jesus' birth. And to be honest, I think we always miss it. The most amazing fact about Jesus' birth is that he brought great joy. His birth brought about great joy, and it wasn't just a joy for the shepherds. The angel said it, it was a joy that was coming unto all people. Amen? Oh, what a wonderful promise from Scripture. So listen, if you're looking for joy today, anybody looking for joy? Maybe you're here and you just need to be reminded that you already have some joy. You know, if you have Jesus, you have joy. You might not think about it. You're like, well, I, I've been a believer for a long time. I don't really feel joyful. Then maybe today you just need to be reminded of your joy. And so whether you're looking for joy or maybe you just need to be reminded of joy, I give you in the, with the lyrics of a song I used to sing years ago when an old Marine Corps buddy of mine, we used to sing in this church down in eastern North Carolina, and we used to sing this song entitled, I Give You Jesus. If you want some joy or you need to be reminded that you already have some joy as a believer, then I can only give you one thing, and his name is Jesus. You see, because true joy is not external, it's actually internal. It's something that takes place on the inside. It's an inward condition of the heart. It's not going to be found. I'm, I'm telling you, it's not going to be found under presence, with presence under a tree. It was the author C.S. Lewis who once declared joy is the serious business of heaven. Merriam-Webster says it this way. You know, we always, what's amazing to me, and I don't know, have you ever asked yourself this question? How is it that we'll believe what Merriam-Webster says? We'll believe what some doctor says. We'll believe what the businessman or the businesswoman says. We'll believe what the politician says, but we have a problem believing what God says. Isn't that crazy? But it's crazy to me. That's how we respond many times. But here's what Merriam-Webster says about joy. It says, Joy is the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing that, uh, what one desires. Number two, it is the expression or exhibition of such emotion. And number three, the state of happiness or felicity. This is what Merriam-Webster says. But biblical joy actually takes it a step further by pointing us to the source of our gladness. The source of our joy is Jesus, amen? And so we have to be reminded today, man, I want some great joy. I don't know about you. I don't want low-level joy. I don't want medium-level joy. I want some great joy. And the way that I can have this great joy is only going to be found in Jesus Christ. And so I encourage you with that word. You see, because uh, the source of our joy and gladness or delight is found in Jesus. And that joy lasts, can I tell you something? When you take your last breath physically, that joy will continue to remain. You say, how do you know? How do you know? Because uh, we know that we have eternal life if we have Jesus Christ. That joy will continue on and on and on and on. Just as we talked about the fact that in Christ we have a living hope that goes on and on and on and on, and we could just be like a broken record. Oh, man, I want to encourage you today. Joy is different from happiness. It's been said that happiness depends on what happens, but joy depends on the Lord. 
And so based on the Word of God, and, I, and I'll tell you, it's not based on Greg's Word, but based on God's Word, I can assure each and every one of you in this room, no matter what you're facing, that Jesus wants every one of us to experience His great joy this Christmas. And that's exactly what I pray you will do. But in order to experience His great joy, we will need to put Him right where He rightfully belongs, right in the center of it all. Amen? Oh, put Jesus in the center of your life this Christmas and experience the greatest joy that you have ever known. By the way, our desires, our desires, our wishes, our successes have nothing to do with joy. Our problems, our worries, I put our, even our heartaches, you're not going to find joy. Listen, you can be consumed with all of your successes. You can be consumed with your desires. You can be consumed with everything that you have. You can also be consumed with your problems. You can be consumed with your health issues. You can be consumed with your heartbreak and your heartache. But listen, if that's what you're consumed about, you'll never have great joy. Because you see, that causes us to focus on, watch it. This is going to be a hard saying, but I'm speaking to myself. That causes us to focus on me, myself, and I. You see, if I'm thinking about my desires, if I'm thinking about my successes, if I'm thinking about all that I have, that leaves no room for Jesus. And if I'm not focused on Jesus, I can tell you that this Christmas season, I'll not have joy. Isaiah 53 and verse number 3 reminds us that Jesus was a man of sorrows and he was acquainted, from grief, uh, acquainted with grief. But scripture also reminds me that Jesus was a man of joy. He was a man of joy and he was so consumed with his joy that it was his desire that you and I have his same joy. After sharing some things with his disciples in John chapter 15, he's talking to them about eternal life. He's talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit that's going to come on these believers. He's talking about all of this. In verse number 11 of this passage, notice what he says. He says, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy. Jesus says, hey, I've got joy. And he says, I want you. He says that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Anybody running a little low on joy? I think it's pretty easy to say that a lot of us are running a little low on joy. By the way, you know, uh, I drive this thing called a car. Anybody else drive cars? No, I drive a truck. All right, well, congratulations. You're, you're going to experience a little about what I'm saying more than me. Do you realize that when the gas starts to get a little empty, what do we do? What do we do? Do you keep driving? Is that you on the side of the road with your blinkers on? <laughs> hoping that someone will bring you a little can of gasoline? Or maybe you're hoping someone will bring you a long extension cord so you can plug your car in and get some power? <laughs> we go to the gas station. Or you go to the filling station. I mean, I saw it sheets, now they got the plug-ins. But I got news for you. I can fill my tank up really quickly with gas. You got to sit there for, I think they said, about 45 minutes. So go ahead and enjoy a schmuffin while you're waiting for your car to fill up on electricity. By the way, that's not the message, but it's just a thought. <laughs> just a thought. <laughs> that's for free. <laughs> Here's the thing. When our gas tank gets empty, we go to the gas station to fill it up, right? Are we filled with joy today? Because sometimes I look around and I wonder if anybody actually knows Jesus. I don't like that. That coffee was bitter this morning. Mm. They didn't have any... Danishes today. I'm mad it matter in the hornet's nest. My stomach's a growling. Well, sir, get up early and eat some toast before you come to church, okay? <laughs> we, we get off on the craziest things and we forget the most important things. When the angel told those shepherds, fear not, for I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. What an amazing, what an amazing declaration. Look back in Luke chapter 2. We find this unbelievable appearance of a real angel to real shepherds. Folks, this really happened. 
You either believe the word of God or you don't. This really happened. There were shepherds out in a field at night watching over their flock and an angel appears to them. Can you imagine? I guess you would have been scared too. In the dark of the night, all of a sudden an angel shows up. Now, early on in history, what we need to understand is that shepherding was seen as a noble profession. In fact, if you look all the way back and you do a little bit of research in the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. You remember that song as kids, right? If you do a little research in Scripture, you'll actually find out that Abel was the very first one to have this noble, lofty position of a shepherd. He was actually followed in this calling by some other people that you might recognize in Scripture, people such notable such as Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and, and I mean, who could forget? You remember David, right? Just a little shepherd boy. Even Samuel was confused as to God's choice of David as the next king of Israel. But here's the thing. But by the time we get to the first century and you get to the, the point here in Luke chapter 2, shepherding had lost its luster, so to speak. Culturally speaking, uh, shepherds were typically made up of the lowest class of citizens. And the culture around uh, uh, shepherds would have uh, kind of, you know, you know the, even culture did this back then. They have a way of like uh, putting a list of superiority together. Do you know where shepherds landed on the list of hierarchy? Just about a level above lepers. Lepers were considered outcasts. And you say, well, I'm not really sure I believe that, Pastor. I'm not really sure. Well, uh, if you look in the Talmud, which is a collection of interpretations and insights from Jewish rabbis back from that time, the Talmud actually said this. It said that no help was ever to be given to the heathen or shepherds. Interesting, huh? No help was ever to be given to heathens or the shepherds. So in the eyes of many, an angel appearing to a shepherd never would have happened because of the poor reputation they had. So quite frankly, uh, the re reality is shepherds seldomly took time off because they were always working. They were always out watching over their flock, whether it was day, night, or, or nighttime. Daytime or nighttime, they were out there wa uh, working. And so they didn't take time to worship. They didn't take time to show up to praise God. They, they were snubbed, if you please, and despised by the religious crowds. They were, they were unable, unable to keep the laws of washing and cleansing, the ceremonial law. And so they were considered to be unclean, just a step above lepers. But I don't know about you, but to me, this serves just as another confirmation. Another confirmation of God's love and another confirmation of His Word. When I see this story of angels appearing unto shepherds, Paul teaches us in 1 Timothy 1.15, he says this, he says that Christ Jesus came into the world to save who? And Paul actually had a real honest conversation with himself. He understood that he was the worst of sinners. He understood that he was the chiefest of sinners. And so, although the world may have snubbed these, these shepherds of old, the reality is Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. In Luke chapter 5 and verse number 32, Jesus tells us that he came not to call the righteous. Well, the righteous have no need of him. He says, I didn't come to call the righteous, but I came to call sinners to repentance. So I don't know about you, but to me, an angel appearing to a group of shepherds is pretty good news. It's pretty good news. You see, the world had already dubbed these people the most sinful. It's a beautiful picture of the salvation that was to come through Jesus Christ. And the fact that God entrusted this greatest message that was ever sent from heaven down to earth to a group of snubbed, smelly, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say they're smelly, okay? Snubbed, smelly, and sinful shepherds. Yes, that's my fun time alliterating. It's amazing to me to think that God would do that. That God loved me and he loved you so much that he wanted to exhibit this love by declaring his birth, Christ's birth, to a group that the world considered to be less than the standard, so to speak. They were considered to be sinful. They were considered to be undone. And yet this is the way, this is the first announcement, if you please, 
of the Christ child's birth. In fact, Paul, when he wrote to the church at Corinth, he tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in verse number 24, he says that Christ is not only the power of God, you notice it on the screen, he's not only the power of God, but he's also the wisdom of God. And so God's power, God's wisdom, and his love was all on display on that night of nights when a group of lowly shepherds, by the way, there would have been a number of shepherds and, and they're watching various flocks. And did you understand this? At nighttime, these flocks would come together. These sheep would come together. And so how do, you, how do you separate them in the morning as they go their way? And the reason they would come together was for protection. And so at the night watch, a shepherd would set himself. Now watch what's getting ready to happen. A shepherd would set himself in front of the so-called sheep gate or the gate to protect the sheaves, to keep the, the, the bad from coming in and for, uh, to protect from losing a sheep. Isn't that what Jesus talked about doing as the good shepherd? Oh, my friends, it's so incredible. We see this in Scripture going on in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 and following. The Bible goes on and says, How that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God, watch it, has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God has chosen the weak things of this world to confound the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised. The shepherds would have fallen under this category. And God has chosen, yea, all and the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are, verse 29, so that no flesh, no flesh should glory in his presence. Can I tell you, if you have Jesus, oh man, what a wonderful gift from God. Oh, you have the joy of the Lord residing on the inside. Oh, on that very first Christmas night, God sends his angel to the lowly, the most undeserving, the neglected, the marginalized, if you please, in order to show his love, his wisdom, and his power to a weary and sinful world that needed a Savior. And today, we can be encouraged. We can remind ourselves that God, that same God, is still loving. He is still giving us his love day in and day out. He is still providing for his children. Oh, listen, the shepherds help us to see that God's gift of love, hope, joy, and peace are for all sinners, all people just like us. But I want you to notice a couple of things because last week we were talking about Simeon and Anna's hope, right? So Anna was in the temple serving God night and day, fasting and prayers. Simeon had been told that he wouldn't see death until he saw the Lord's Christ. And so they're at the temple but we talked very briefly last week, what was their response to hope that was realized in their life? And so I just want you to see the response, and then we'll wrap up this morning. What was the response of the shepherds when the angel came and announced the Savior's birth? Notice with me, first of all, in verse 8, before the announcement, notice that these shepherds were attentive. This is even before the angel shows up. The Bible says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. So this tells me that these players were committed and they were faithful people. In the sense, watch this, I'm not saying they were faithful to God. I'm not saying that they were faithful to worship, that they were faithful to keep the law. What I'm saying is in the sense of their calling, they were committed and faithful. God met them right where they were. They did not have to buy a ticket. They didn't have to earn it. They didn't have to do anything. The angel of the Lord made the announcement to them right there where they were doing what they do. Can I tell you something? That's how the Lord meets each and every one of us. There's not a one of us in this room or watching online that went and got ourselves spiritually clean before we received Jesus Christ. We were all dirty, filthy, rotten sinners. Sorry, that's just the truth. We're all sinful, right? But when Jesus comes in, he's the one that does the washing, not us. He washes us, not us. And so it's an amazing picture when we look at these shepherds who were attentive. It reminds me that although they may have felt abandoned or forgotten by the world, they realized very quickly that they were not forgotten by God. Oh, what a wonderful picture of God's love. And I was talking about how Jesus uh, really honestly identifies most with the shepherds. When we think about it back in John chapter 10 and verse number 11, he's already painted a beautiful portrait of his love and his care for the sheep, whether they be lost or found. He talks about 
the lost or found sheep. But he declares this in verse number 11. He declares that he is the good shepherd. And he goes on and he says that the good shepherd actually gives his life for the sheep. But notice also what he says a few verses before that. In verse number 9, Jesus said that he was the door. What did I tell you that shepherds do at night? All their flocks come together. And they're all gathered together. And so they're there. They're watching over their flocks by night. They're at least in earshot of one another. They've got people that are doing night watch watching the sheep. This is exactly what Jesus says. He says, I'm the good shepherd. He says, not only do I give my life for the sheep, but he says, I'm also the door. I'm the door. I'm the way that the sheep come in. I'm the way that they go out and have fine pasture. He said, that's me. This is exactly what I am. This is who I am. And so for him to send an angel to announce his coming to a group of shepherds seems pretty reasonable to me. Oh, my friends, these shepherds were attentive and so I just want to say to you, no matter what you do in life, no matter what your job is, no matter what your occupation is, the Bible tells us all in Colossians 3, in chapter 3, in verse 23, to do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. Just keep serving. Keep doing what you do. Allow the Lord to work in your life right where you are. And He can do exceeding abundantly above all that you ever ask or think. Oh, listen. I'm going to be the first to raise my hand. I think there's a time when all of us can feel a little bit forgotten. Have you ever felt forgotten? Have you ever felt abandoned? Have you ever felt, have you ever been left wanting? I think we've all been there. Just like these shepherds, I'm sure they felt abandoned, forgotten, you know, uh, cast aside by their society of that day. And yet they were not forgotten by God. And so this is consistent with what we see in Scripture. But notice, secondly, the shepherds were in awe. In verse number 9, the angel of the Lord comes to them, and the glory of the Lord shines around about him. And this Bible says that they were sore afraid. They weren't sitting there going like this. I'm so afraid. What am I going to do? No, they were in awe. They were in awe of what God was doing in that very moment. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in awe? Of what God has done in your life. See, because I don't know about you. I'm not ready to get over what took place in my life in September of 1980. On September the 16th in 1980. I'm not ready to get over that. That's when I was sitting down at a revival at a church. And this, this guy, he was towering over the lectern. He was preaching behind. This man, his, his name was George Sweet. And some of you senior saints might have remember hearing about George Sweet. He, he stood about six foot five. I think he was even taller than Travis. And he stood over and his waist was higher. And man, he was one of those hellfire and brimstone preachers. Man, he brought that arm down and I was about right where his finger ended. <laughs> I was right about there. I was like, I was like, no. No, not me. I don't want to go to a place called hell. I don't even remember what he preached on. All I knew is that I was a sinner and I didn't want to go to hell. And what I recognized was that he said Jesus died for me and that Jesus didn't want me to go to hell. And I was like, yep, that's for me. That's what I need. I need Jesus. And so Jesus did a work in my life. Jesus did the work in my life on September the 16th, 1980. As a 13-year-old boy, I realized, man, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Do you know what? That's exactly what the shepherds needed. They understood they were sinners. So in the night sky, when the angel appears in the middle of the night, and then remember, there's a host of, uh, of the Lord's angelic army, if you please, that come about, and they start singing praises to God in the middle of the night. I'm guessing... I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that we would be a little sore afraid or in awe of God as well. When we come face to face with the holiness of God, we cannot help but to be reminded of our own sinfulness. I'm guessing on that night of nights, those shepherds were like, whoa, woe is me. You remember what Isaiah said? In Isaiah, his response, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 5, he simply said, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell amidst a people of unclean lips. Listen, he understood who he was and who he was not. In Luke chapter 5, after Jesus demonstrates his supernatural power. By the way, Jesus gives a fishing lesson to a career fisherman. 
And he demonstrates his power and he says, hey, cast the net on that side of the boat. And so Peter, he's like, okay, whatever. We've been doing this all night. I mean, we are the professional fishermen. But Lord, okay, at your saying, we'll go ahead and throw in the nets. And you know the rest of the story. They brought in a haul of fish like the, the boats couldn't even contain the fish. And this is what Peter said in Luke chapter 5 in verse number 8. After he recognizes God's power, here's what he says. He says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. The shepherds were so afraid. They were in awe of what they were experiencing. I don't know about you, but if Christmas has gotten stale to you, I want to encourage you to be in awe once again. Look up with eyes fresh again and see the Christ child who came from heaven to take care of our sin debt. Well, what is our response each and every morning? Not just today, not just on Saturday when we gather to celebrate Christmas with our closest friends and family. Oh, when was the last time we were in awe of the Lord our God? When was the last time we took time to marvel at the miracle of Christmas? A virgin conceiving of a child. Hello, is that not miracle enough? And giving birth to the Son of God. The shepherds, oh listen, they were, they were attentive to their jobs. They were in awe. But number three, they were accepting of the message. Look at verse number 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And so right away, we see the angel quickly try to calm them down by talking about good tidings of great joy. By the way, this was and still remains the greatest newscast of all time. You know, we got to quit putting junk in. Because if you put junk in here, it makes its way to here. And guess what happens then? The trouble is junk here, junk here, junk there. I love my wife. I love my wife. Amen. I'll say amen. <laughs> Preach it, brother. You know what she'll do? She says, if I've had too much of a dose of news, she'll tell me, change that radio station. Because after a while, it gets downright depressing. I'll tell you what. It's hard to, it's hard to be focused on great joy in 2020 and 2021. It's hard to be focused on God's amazing love story. It's hard to keep focused on the living hope that we have in Jesus Christ. In the midst of all this junk that is running amok in this country and around this world. And so you know what my funny little honey does? When she, 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 can, set, she can see it too. Man, she sees it coming up. You know, I start to, you know, I'm pretty, I'm a pale guy. Let's just be honest. And, and so she'll start to see the blood starts to rise. Starts to rise. I start to look good when I get a little color, you know. And starts to rise, and she says, change the channel. I said, no, 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 I got to listen to this. She said, no, you don't need all of that junk. Because, see, she understands junk in, junk here, junk out. What I need to be doing, uh-oh, here we go. You knew the pastor was going to pull it, didn't you? What I need to be doing is like what the Bible says the blessed man will do. is to meditate there day and night. Mm, watch it. See, we have a choice. The shepherds here, they had a choice. And what I know is they accepted. They accepted that greatest newscast of all. They accepted the message. Look at, look at what's, what's interesting. The phrase there, good tidings. It's really cool because it literally comes from the Greek word. When, when the angel says, behold, we bring you good tidings of great joy. That phrase, good tidings, comes from the Greek word to evangelize. In other words, the angels are saying, we're coming to declare the gospel to you. And the shepherds are like, the what? The what? We're bringing good tidings of great joy to you. And it's not only for you, it's for all people. Oh, my friends, these were good tidings. What they were saying is that we're bringing you a message. In other words, a way, if you please, that every sinner can be accepted, forgiven, and become a recipient of great joy. By the word, by the way, the word great there means mega. I love it. I love it. 
bringing you some mega joy. That's what I should have titled the message, mega joy. You see, because if you have Jesus, you have mega joy. You may have allowed someone to steal your joy. You may have tried to kind of fill up the tank with a fake joy. Remember the tank's empty? We go to a gas station. You may have tried to fill up your joy tank with fake joy. I got news for you. Just like a, 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 a blower, a leaf blower, if you don't get some gas, unless you got a real fancy blower, you still have to mix some of that oil in with that gas. Try, try, just try putting some regular gas in that leaf blower. Call me and call, actually just call Joe Beavers when it breaks down. When it breaks down and it no longer runs, you're going to have to call the man, so just call Joe, right? Same thing's true with us. If we're not putting in the right stuff, the right stuff doesn't come out. And so we have to be very careful with this idea of joy. The angels declaring the reality of the gospel message was being initiated by the birth of Jesus Christ. And what he's saying, it's a very exclusive message to the shepherds, but it's a very inclusive message because he says, hey guys, I got news for you. It's just not for you. It's for all people. Oh, this is a great joy that will be to all people. Look at verse 13 and 14. The message actually required the heavenly host to sing out praise. It says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Oh, listen, you say, Well, how do I know that the shepherds actually accepted the message? Well, look at verse 15. I'm glad you asked. Because it says, And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. Can you imagine that? Back to heaven. I'm guessing they at first may have thought they were hallucinating. But when they realized they weren't hallucinating and the angels went back to heaven, notice what scripture says. It says, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go into Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. The reason I can tell you they accepted the message is because the last point is they actually did something. They got activated. They not only accepted the message, they were activated. The message was accepted and then here's what they did. They said, you know what? We believe this message, and so now we're going to do something about the message that we have just received. Look here, verse number 16, the Bible says that they came with haste. I don't know about you, but the only way that I can explain it is they came with great speed. They were, they were quick. Let me just say this. The fact that the angels actually did anything is a miracle in and of itself. But the fact that they moved with haste is a greater miracle because I've lived for 55 plus years and I've never seen a lot of people do anything with great haste. Most people are moving today slow as molasses. You ask them to do something for Jesus, well, brother, I'll just tell you, I'll just have to pray about that. Well, I'll, I'll think about that. No, would you just wipe a baby's butt for Jesus? You didn't think it would go there, did you? I have to wake you up somehow. <laughs> well, pastor, you know, I just really don't feel called to the men's ministry. <laughs> Why do you need a call? We have a command. You don't need a call to cook some bacon for men at a breakfast. All you need to do is love the Lord and love other people. Well, pastor, you know, I used to teach children's Sunday school class, you know, but I gave that up. What did you give it up for? You on a diet? I used to sing in that choir. Well, I got a good voice here. Oh, me, 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 me. Yeah, a good voice still works. What are we doing? What are we doing? We have a Savior who loved us with an everlasting love. A Savior who brought a living hope that is kept. The Bible says that hope is kept for us by the power of God. It was given to us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Peter says in 1 Peter 1. It's the same Savior who brought great joy. And we're contemplating whether we're going to sing about Jesus, whether we're going to serve Jesus, or whether we're just going to sit on the sidelines and watch the parade go by. It boggles my mind at this season of life. That wasn't even in the message, Krista. The shepherds were activated. 
What I'm trying to get you to see is there was no doubt. There was no delay. Once they heard the good news, they were like, we got to go see. We got to go see what's happening in Bethlehem. We got to go see if what God just told us is the truth. And so the reality is by faith, they went to Bethlehem. And when they got to Bethlehem, they saw that it was a real thing. They found the Christ child. They worshiped him. And then notice what they do. They get up off their hiney and they go out and they start sharing everything that they've heard and seen. What an amazing thing. Look at verse number 17. It says, And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. Now listen, they didn't go out and tell people about Mary. They didn't go out and tell people about Joseph. They didn't go out and tell people about the angel or the heavenly host. They went out and told people about Jesus. Woo, getting hot up here. Hot up here and quiet out there. You may ask. See, The reality is these shepherds, these snubbed, smelly, sinful shepherds were the very first preachers of the gospel. They were actually gospel preachers. They didn't go to Bible college. They didn't have a degree. They didn't didn't have a church that they pastored. They just went out and started telling people about Jesus. They were the very first preachers or declarers of God's arrival. And you say, well, what was their text? (laughs) They didn't have any Bible cards. They're just shepherds. They were ceremonial unclean. They didn't wash. They didn't do. They didn't keep up with the ceremonial law. They were uh, snubbed by society. What was their text? Verse number 14. There's their text. They went out. And they said, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace and goodwill to men. This is all they needed to do was say the Christ child is here. 400 years plus of waiting, of silence, no prophet speaking. It's over. God has heard the cry of his people. He has sent his son to set us free forever and ever. Amen. That was their message. They couldn't keep quiet. And so if you're here and you're watching online and you're a believer, can I just tell you, It's not enough. It's not enough to simply have faith and feel good about Jesus at Christmas. It really isn't enough because it wasn't enough for the shepherds. The great joy that they had experienced changed their lives. Has the great joy of Jesus changed our lives? Has it changed our lives so much that we put away pettiness And start praising the Savior? Has it changed our lives so much that we will stand up for Jesus no matter what takes place in the workplace, in the neighborhood, or in the grocery store? Has it changed our lives enough that we will stand up on the mountain, go on to the mountain and tell everyone that Jesus Christ is born? Or have we not been changed by the love and the hope and the joy of Jesus? Sadly, it was Pastor D.L. Moody D.L. Moody, he said the greatest obstacle to sinners coming to Christ is the joyless attitude. What a hard condemnation. The joyless attitude of many professed Christians. You say, well, what's the reason for joylessness? Well, this morning on the way here, you know, the Lord brings, I just, I wrote that up wrote that in this morning I'm in my car and uh, I got out this morning and some of you know I've I've got a new member of my family got a new member of my family this week and you know he's a beautiful beautiful little puppy I was going to put his picture up on the screen but that would be a little self-serving can I tell you he was such a good good boy last night he, he made a little bit of a at about 4.15 this morning. Now, Friday night into yesterday was another story. I was about ready to wring his neck. <laughs> Last night, he literally slept the whole night. Man, I got up. I was, so, I was a proud papa. I was like, come on, boy. Look at you. Look at you. Went outside, took care of business, came back inside, full of life and everything. And I thought, you know, If I try to find joy in this puppy, it won't last. 
Then I got outside and I realized that the temperatures all day today are going to be dropping. And over the past few days, I'm going to be real honest, I was very pleased with the weather patterns. <laughs> Many of you know I don't really enjoy Bill Cantwell's desire for snow and cold weather. As I'm driving here this morning, I realize that if I'm looking for joy in a weather, weather pattern or a forecast, that's not going to last. The 65 degree days in December will not last. A puppy, we have another dog that's 13 years old, but there'll be one day that I'll either be gone or that little dog will go to heaven. And you say, do you believe dogs go to heaven? All dogs go to heaven. Do not ask me after service to comment on cats or anything else. <laughs> Isn't it crazy, though, we allow people to steal our joy? We put, we, we put our stakes, we drive our stakes into things that, guys, I'll be real honest with you, are not going to bring you joy. They're not going to bring you fulfillment. It doesn't matter. You might have the greatest education in the world. Education will not bring you joy. You might have the greatest job in the world. Your job will not bring you joy. It might bring you a paycheck. It might bring you stability, some form of stability in the home as far as paying for groceries, heat, and things like that. But the reality is, remember, the reason you have the ability to do anything is so that you take care of your needs, but also so that you have so that you can help others. That's biblical. But the, what I'm afraid of is that this Christmas season, like no other, we look for joy in so many different places, but I've told you from the outset that joy is only for believers. In fact, the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 5, in verse number 22 and 23, that at salvation, the Holy Spirit of God brings this fruit of the Spirit and notice right there, number two on the list, what's the first one is love. Number two is joy. Number three is peace, long-suffering, gentleness. It goes on and, and talks about all of these things. It says love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. It goes on and talks about these gifts or this fruit of the Spirit that we have. And the only reason we have that fruit is because of Jesus. That's where we get joy. It was Nehemiah who said the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So a joyful, listen, a joyful Christian is a strong Christian because you're focusing on the joy that only Jesus brings. A joyful Christian is not only a strong Christian, it's a witnessing Christian. Just like the shepherds, they went out and they shared the good news, the glad tidings of great joy, the mega joy, with everybody they came into contact with before they went back to the fields. As the Bible says, a joyful Christian is a serving and a worshiping Christian. We ought to serve the Lord with gladness and come into his presence with singing. This idea of like, oh, I'm not going to do that anymore, that's, that's for the birds. That's not even biblical. And so we know what the Bible says. To him that knoweth to do good and to him that doeth it not, to him it is what? That's James chapter 4 and verse number 17 if you need a reference. The evidence of our joy will be seen in how we glorify and praise the Lord our God. Now, here's the, key, here's the deal. I wrap it up. If you're here and you're watching online or watching online and you're not a believer yet, I want you to understand with all of my heart the only, the only pathway, the only avenue to experience great joy is through Jesus. It's the only way you'll ever have joy. You might have happiness, like, man, I'm so happy I passed my final exam. I'm so happy I got a new job. I'm so happy I got a new car. I'm so happy I did this. Guess what? Those things are fleeting. Those things will move away. The only thing that lasts is Jesus. And so I encourage you, listen, if you don't know Jesus, the only way to obtain him is to recognize your need 
Jesus, hey, listen, he loves you. He died on the cross for your sin. And so if you recognize your need and you understand that Jesus was the one who paid the price for your sin and my sin and for the sins of the world, after you recognize this and believe this, then you have to call on him and ask him to forgive you and to come into your life. Now, here's what the cool thing. If you ask him, that's exactly what he'll do. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't cost you anything. It didn't cost me anything. It's not asking you to sing in a choir, although I think that should be a requirement for salvation. I'll take it up with God when I get to heaven. No, I won't. I don't, I, I, it's not about whether you serve in the nursery. It's not about what you do for Jesus. It's about do you know Jesus? So if you don't know Jesus, I can tell you, there'll be no present under your tree this year that'll bring you joy. The only, the only way to joy is through Jesus. By the way, that's why the Sunday school class we have, joy class, because it's all about Jesus, others, then you can worry about you. Jesus, others, and then worry about you. Oh, what a Savior we have. Here's what the Bible said again. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day. That means today in the city of David a Savior. A Savior, one who forgives. A one who gives you a new opportunity. A one who died in your place. Here's what he said. Which is the Christ. The long-awaited Messiah, the angel was saying. Here he is. The one you've been waiting for for 400 years. The one you've been waiting for all your life. The Savior of the world. Here he is. He's born in Bethlehem. You need to get up and you need to go. And you need to see him. You need to place your faith in him. Because He is the only source of mega joy for you and for me and for the entire world. So if you're here, and I'm serious as a heart attack, if you don't know Jesus, don't you dare leave this building. Don't you dare leave this room without Jesus. The Bible says now is the accepted time. Today, not tomorrow, Today is the day of salvation. You say, I don't know what to do. I heard all this junk before. I've heard, I, I just don't know what to do. Listen, what you need to do is call upon the name of the Lord. Say, Jesus, and, and it's not about the words of a prayer. It's about the desire of the heart and your obedience to the word of God that says, Jesus, I realize I'm a sinner and I need you. That's a pretty straightforward prayer. It's a pretty quick prayer. But I got news for you. The Bible says that if you'll do it, he'll answer you. He'll come in and begin a relationship with you on the inside that you'll not be able to describe. And people will start to see a change in you. And people will be like, what happened to you? And it'll be such a change that all you'll be able to do is turn around and point people to Jesus and say, it ain't about me, it's all about Jesus. He's the source of my joy. With every head bowed, no one looking around, I just want to have a word of prayer. We're going to wrap this service up but I'm not going to do it before I give you an opportunity, those who may not know Jesus yet. Would you just simply pray a simple prayer like this, saying, Dear Jesus, man, I don't know it all, but I know I'm a sinner. And Jesus, the best I know how at this time, I'm just asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to come into my life. I'm asking you to change me from the inside out. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for being born understanding that this world was weary in need of a Savior. Thank you for doing that for us. Jesus, thank you for saving my soul. Help me to live from this day forward in a way that brings you honor and glory. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.